What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Oh, even though she buys me an all-natural deodorant, it's got antiperspirant in it, which is going to be a little chemical in there. She doesn't love that, but I got to do it. See, I would tell my wife I don't care. I was like, if... Chris is going to make fun of me with yeah. sweaty pits. Right. If this kills me five years sooner, I'm okay with that. Oh, yeah, baby. We're back. I mean, yeah. I don't know. How do you feel about that? Five, when is five years acceptable to take off your own life? When is that acceptable? If you know you're going to live to 80. Then it's okay to go to yeah, 75 because you're like, I did it, right? Yeah. But if you know, like, we're told it's 65 and they're going to take it down to 60. You're going to want those years back. Right? I think so. You're going to question. I think, I think once you, you flirt with the number 80. You're willing to just go. It honestly depends on how you're feeling, though. Because yeah, there know. are times, I mean, I'm 40. You're 40 now. Yeah, yeah, thank you. There are times where I'm like, you know, 10 years from now, I'm going to feel pretty crappy. I, and maybe I'll be like, you know what? This has been a good run. No 55. way. No way. Not unless you keep drinking that crappy damn like, energy yeah, yeah. drinks That's you are that you're leaving doing. on the table right now. That's what I, I keep mean, doing. Super aminos, <laughs> super. Supposed uh, to be healthy. I will stress your system and yeah. give you issues to where you won't get to 55 years old. I will say this on the um, antiperspirant deodorant uh, kick here too. Yeah. I'm wearing a polo yes. with an undershirt underneath. I notice. I'm already feeling a little hot. I'm feeling a little hot today, hotter than normal, so this could be a problem. Well, you are so hot. <laughs> yeah. I want to touch the hiney. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he has no idea. Nobody, you know, I mean, you don't even know what that's from. I have you? no clue. I know. It's I, good. I'm not even going to tell you. I'm fucking done telling you. I'm done. Um, you eat it. So our, our listeners <laughs> have come to have come to learn right. that what you do at the beginning of the podcast is you wait for the personal hygiene talk to kind yeah. of fizzle down. Maybe some random lines thrown out by Chris. Right. And then we resume the pod of talking football. I hope they and don't fast forward that. I mean, doesn't it even oh, want a definitely. little normal talk just to start out? They just want me to get in and be like, all right, let's go. Here we go. Brady and the Bucks. Let's yeah. go. That's what they want? I don't, yeah. Okay. 50% of the people just want that. Man, probably. okay. Man, but those nobody wants to know about how much weed I smoked this weekend or <laughs> how much a tequila. Lot. A, a lot. lot. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I pushed the limits pretty hard on Friday and Saturday. If you fast-forwarded, you just missed that. Uh, you might want to go back. Okay, here is the football. Um, this is Every Monday, this is what we do. This is what we, we do. We go through every game. We yep. give every game their due. Yep. We don't cheapen it. No. We do go deeper into two of them, and those two games this week are going to be, right off the top, Buccaneers and Chargers. That was a really good game. It was. That was an entertaining game, both teams. Um, so we're going to go deep on that game. We're going to go deep also on Browns and Cowboys. That was entertaining, but kind of in the way where you walked away from that Bucks chargers game feeling good about both teams, you walked away from the Browns-Cowboys not feeling great yeah, about well, either team. Maybe more great about the Browns than the Cowboys, but you're just like, Ugh. But not sure, right. Not There's sure. There's a lot of question marks, especially with both teams' defenses. Yeah. Uh, 
No doubt about that. Now, the Buccaneers-Chargers game, though, and that's where we're going to start, right? You want to start on the Buccaneers? Well, we got, we got Scout Thyself. We're okay. Gonna, we're going right, to the rundown. make you uh, roast yourself, perhaps. Yep. Um, we've got Damn Okay. Yep. And uh, as always, a victory lap. So we will give you a victory lap every okay. Monday where you get to run around and celebrate what you call okay. correctly. Yep. I will say one more thing about the Browns. Right. Browns fans coming at you in full force. Yeah, I heard full that. Full force. I know, I saw that on today. On, so Yeah, I mean, I, I don't understand, but okay. Well, you did call their team a dumpster fire and said that Kevin Stefanski was a terrible hire. Right. So well, that was the reason. Well, well, yeah. there were some issues there. We'll okay. get to that later. Pete but, says we'll I get mean, to that later. I don't think I was totally crazy to call them a dumpster fire five months ago. I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm sure their own fans right. have called them worse. And I've gotten into that. other conversations. We'll get into that. That sounds We will good, get though. into that. I like that. that. That's a good tease right there, yeah. though. But you have a lot of people hating you. Maybe you can flip it around, though. You can take that hate and turn it into love. That would be quite the skill. Um, but let's go with our deep dive first yeah. on Buccaneers and Chargers. The reason I say this game was really entertaining is because both quarterbacks were fun to watch. They were. Tom Brady looked like a younger Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. He was throwing the ball deep. Yep. Justin Herbert was outstanding. Yeah. And so let me let me just start there. We are going to start with the Bucks offense, but quarterback to quarterback, like who are you more impressed with in this game, Tom Brady or Justin Herbert? Oh, uh, you know, it's a, it's actually a really good question. All right, and I mean Herbert is obviously the new guy on the scene, right. so it's cool to watch a new guy kind of pop on the scene, and you just go, you know, here's three weeks in a row where you just go, whoa. You're kind yeah. of grading him on a curve because of his inexperience. Exactly, right. I don't expect him to match wits and decision-making and everything like that, you know, situational football with Tom Brady. No way, no how. But you got to love what you're seeing from Justin Herbert. But I still think I'm probably more impressed with what I'm seeing from Tom Brady right now. I am. I mean, good for him. Tom Brady, the Bucks, everything, Byron Leftwich, Bruce Arians, they got something going here. And, I mean, on both sides of the ball to where, like, I'm starting to go, ooh, watch out. The Bucks like, it's starting to come into a, a picture of me where I go, they got a chance to be the best team in the NFC. I really do believe Ooh. that. Yeah, they got a chance. They do. Everything's there, and it's all going in the right trajectory offensively and defensively, and we'll get into some of the nuances of what I mean by that. But with Brady, hey, we know some of the issues the last few years, you've heard me say it, has been him throwing the ball down the football field. It's, he's been reluctant to do that. You just started off a conversation with Brady throwing the ball down the field. We haven't said that in like two, three years. That's not been a topic. And first off, I think we got to give Bruce Arians and Leftwich a lot of credit for kind of massaging this effort and getting it going, right? And to me, this is the big thing that's jumped out more than anything, just to get without getting into like real specifics or anything like that right away. But yes, there is certainly. Uh, a, a, a downfield attack. They got big weapons. They're, they know that. We talked about last week how they're a little bit in like they got some Brady plays, and then they got shot plays. And I, people need to peep this. And this is one thing I really like about their offense. I mean, when they get in the shotgun, they're going to go to New England Brady stuff. That's the one thing I've noticed over the mm-hmm. last three weeks. It's almost a telltale sign. When they get two tight ends in the game and start to look in like, ooh, it's, it looks like they're going to run the power run. That's when they're most likely going to take a shot. That's when they get, you know, Evans down the field, O.J. Howard wide open for a touchdown, three tight end set. So they really put you in a bind that way. And where I want to say I really give Arians and Leftwich credit is they've done a good job to where, okay, we got to get Brady to be grittier, you know, hang in there, throw the ball, be more aggressive, right? That's what he said after week one. I expect right. him to have a grittier performance. I think that's what he was talking about, like stand in there and we wind to make throws. All right, so what they've done is, 
Here's your plays you like. Get the body of your hands. Look, everything's good. Get a few completions. And then when they want him to get aggressive, this is what jumps out to me more than anything, is they get tight ends in the football game. And for two reasons. One, you can keep one or two of them in the block, right? And now yeah. Tom can drop back and go, okay. You know, just give a good frame of mind to go, I feel good. I got seven blockers here. And I'm going to have time to be aggressive and push the ball down the field. But then the other thing it really does too, and this plays for Brady too, is it usually simplifies defenses when you get into two and three tight end sets. So if you have a team that might do some crazy blitzes or do some things a little differently, when you get into two or three tight end sets, they go, whoa, okay, wait. Because if they line up in the wrong formation and we call the wrong blitz, you know, they could run block down, block down, pulling guard, and we okay. blitzed on the wrong side, and all of a sudden we're gashed for a 30-yard run. So, right, defenses just go, let's get in the defense and let's all play our gap so we don't get killed by some overpowering run look, right? Got it. Even and though they don't have an overpowering run game, really. No, they do not. Exactly right. But I think this is second part, and I'm glad you – this is why you yeah, and I are good. We got this yeah, going good. But this is the second part of it. And this is where I go to Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians is doing a great job, Leftwich and him, of staying patient with the run. They really are. Even when it's like, okay, it's not that sexy, they're still going, hey, let's just smash it in there for two or three to keep the yeah. defense honest. Don't let anybody pin their ears back on our 43-year-old quarterback, right? And do that. And so many of the big pass plays right now are coming from when Brady is underneath center, tight end, two tight ends, connected to the end of the line of scrimmage, and it's a play-action pass. That is where he is killing people right now. And to me, that was where they hit the little bad spot of the game. They got down 24-7, right? He throws the pick six. They now, all right, 14-7. They go three and out. The Chargers go down, make a good drive to really what ended up being their really only sustained drive the whole day. 13-play, 97-yard drive, right? But they do that, and Tampa panicked for like a few series where they got into like, we're going to just, all right, we got to throw. We're down. Let's get in the shotgun. Let's spread it out. They got away from the run game. They got away from some of those tight end sets we talked about. Yep. But then that turnover happened before the half, right? And Brady gets the touchdown, which yeah. was – we'll get to that. That was fucking stupid. The one to Mike Evans in the end zone. Which was yeah. an amazing throw, three-man rush. Brady's so smart. He knows, oh, it's three-man rush. I'm not going to panic into some decision and throw this ball quick. Let me buy some time. And, of course, what he does is what we all see all the great quarterbacks do. Gets a little time. He starts to manipulate his own coverage and threw a great ball to Evans. And that really jump-started them back onto, oh, now we can go into the second half and we don't have to be in the shotgun and the spread. We can get into these two tight end sets and be a little patient with the run again. And that, to me, is where they just opened up their offense and started blowing them away. It was really telling what Brady said at the end of the game. I mean, five touchdowns for the first time since 2017 for Brady. Um, he said that they, they had to throw deep. They had to start doing that because the field was getting compressed. Definitely. It was getting – maybe when they were in the shotgun, it was a passing game – Everything was getting You're compressed. playing into the hands of the Chargers when you do that. The Chargers want to play rush four, drop seven in the coverage. That's why they give the, Char the, the Chiefs a pain in the ass every time they play them. Yeah. They, they want you to go, oh, look, we got all these people in here to stop the run, but really you're going to say set hut and we're all going to expand into pass coverage. Yeah. And we fooled you. So, sorry, How much of this up. was for the Chargers, though? I mean, no Derwin James there. They've got injuries up and down that roster. Yep, that's exactly. So that, that secondary, I'm thinking specifically on that 19-yard touchdown to Miller that made it 28-24. Remember that one? Yeah. He was wide open. It looked like there was a little play action. Both linebackers thought it was going to be a run, I think, there. But Gronk was wide open on that play. Scotty Miller was wide open on that play. Wide open. So how much play of this? Play action pass again, though. Howard yeah. down the That's middle, true. play action pass. 
Miller, what you're talking about, they got in a shotgun. It was so it's rare that they got in the shotgun of this, but tight end to the right, three receivers to the left, play action pass gets behind a Miller wide open. So I know I'm getting, I'm cut you off again. I'm sorry. No, but that's true. That's a good point. But you know, it, that's why it's happening. I mean, I'm just wondering how much of of this was the Chargers, but it was. It was them getting manipulated, them getting tricked, them having to respect the run, and then Brady still having the arm strength. Yes. And pinpoint precision on some of those throws, definitely, too. Definitely. Um, but I'm an, I, your point, your original point's real. There's some issues there. Where they, got a new, they got new parts there. There's no doubt. I mean, they got different middle linebackers in there. Melvin Ingram was in there. Lindell Joseph is a little banged up. There's no Derwin James, right? I mean... Uh, we have no Chris Harris Jr. in the game, right? Um, I mean, I'm, yeah, I didn't see Chris Harris Jr. He was hurt, right? I'm, I'm almost I'm second-guessing myself now going, wait, did he? Yes, but he was out. So they messed up some calls. O.J. Howard, that touchdown, I mean, you know, we can sit here and watch the film. I don't know what the fuck the Chargers are doing. Yeah. I don't know. They messed up. Somebody screwed up, you know, but that was a three tight end set. And then your other touchdown, same type of thing. I mean, you know, s- Somebody in the middle busted that coverage there. I don't know if it was the safety or the middle linebacker who's supposed to carry Miller across, but there's obviously some confusion there with some new moving parts and, and new guys. And then, then Tampa is, to what you just said with Brady, they're getting scary good at making you defend every inch of the field. That's yep. what we're starting to see. I mean, if he stays patient with the run and then, okay, we got the Brady quick short passing game and a few screens – and then, oh, bring in Gronk and no more O.J. Howard, but Cameron Bray, and let's play action or max up, max protection, and then take a shot down the field, they're going to be tough to fucking stop. They got talent on that offense. And the last piece that I think I'll hit on just here, and I know we're going to move on to the other side of the ball, their O-line, it's yeah. really pass protecting well. I mean, we didn't hear Joey Bosa's name yesterday. Tristan Wirfs has been a pleasant surprise at right tackle. I really questioned his foot quickness coming out in the draft. He's been really good. Both tackles have been really good. The Chargers front forward never really got to get off yesterday. And that's what they want to do, too. They want to get you in that passing game and be able to pin their ears back and do that. And luckily, that touchdown before the half kind of slowed that roll right. down, and the Bucs got to get back into more of a balanced attack and just took advantage of them from there. It's crucial, right? I mean, Donovan Smith. Alex Kappa, yeah. I think is Ali Marpet, right. uh, Ryan Jensen. Yeah. I mean, without them protecting Tom Brady, none of it works. No. None of it works. No. Without him having time, you can't throw deep. Um, none of it works. But, yeah, I mean, Brady did throw deep, passes of 20-plus yards. Yep. Had seven of them, completed four. Right. 149 yards Ooh, and a touchdown. Big numbers. Completed a pass to 10 different receivers. That says it, so too. Getting some connections with some of the guys, although he's still throwing late to the outside to Justin Watson. Okay. That was the pick six. That was the pick six. Got them behind the eight ball. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. Ooh, the thing I love about Brady, though, he doesn't blink an eye at this shit anymore. Yeah. There was a time in Brady's career where he did not – I mean, if he threw an interception early in a game, he was rattled. I mean, New England knew it. Everybody knew it. And we can go back, and I'm not going to dive into certain games and stats, but you look at Brady through his career. When he threw interceptions early, it usually funneled to like two or three interception-type games, usually. Now, I mean, I feel like ever since that Falcons Super Bowl, it's just like he's Teflon. He did never – you can't phase him with anything. It's a shitty route by um, – who was that? That's, that wasn't Miller. It was uh, Watson. Justin Watson. Watson. Shitty route. Loop it. Yes. You, yeah. you, you have to attack a guy's leverage, right? So if you're the corner and I'm in here like yeah. this, right, and I want to run an out route like this, I can't run just straight. 
Because now you're there's nothing attacking you. You can right. kind of just go, oh, wait, let me look at the quarterback and kind of look at him and react, right? But if I ran at you really hard and attacked you, then you have to go, whoa, wait, like, is he about to run by me? And you go this way. Or you don't know you where it is, way. right? Yeah. But you get on your heels. Exactly sure. right. So you start to back up because you're going, uh-oh, he's going to make a move on me. And then you run the out route. Yeah. So Brady, he was trying to kind of look off, I think, the inside coverage guy a little. He did it a little too long because he was trusting his guy would run the right route, too. And I think he got kind of screwed over by that as well, but that, still. I, I mean, that's yeah. a typical quarterback. Blame your receiver for a pass that was thrown behind him. And uh, <laughs> I've heard this before. Uh, but no, uh, legitimate criticisms there. The route run by Justin Watson didn't hurt the Buccaneers. Uh, they, get the, uh, they got enough points in this one. I mean, 38 in this game, in a game where they were down 24-7, to Chris. And it looked like they would be down 24-7 to going into halftime. Yes. You were very critical on PFT this morning of Anthony Lynn because they were just trying to run out the clock. And you got a rookie quarterback handing to Joshua Kelly. He's a, rookie a rookie running rookie back. Running back. Right. You saw the tape. I mean, was there anything different you saw after looking at the tape on uh, this end of the half? Or it was just a, a, a dumb idea. No, it's a dumb idea. And it's, it's, it, for, for what? Uh, that's what I don't understand. There's 47 seconds left in the half. The Buccaneers have one timeout. And where was it? It was like at the ten or I think it was the si- I think it's the six yard line. Really? I mean, it's somewhere right around there. I mean, I can call up the play again for you because part of me almost thought like this is you see this sometimes where a team's at like they're twenty and it's like we don't think we're going to go for it, but if we hand it off and we rip off fifteen yards right here, right? We got timeouts. Maybe we will. Maybe we will try to do something. But from your own six yard line, you're nope, not thinking yep. that. They're, they're on the eight and a half, nine okay. yard line. So, so I'm, I'm watching the play again as we sit here, too. That's just not thinking. You're just like, let's just get out of here. We'll hand it off. It's, it's not thinking, right? Well, I mean, yes, it's not thinking. And what I don't understand, too, is, you know, this is a coach who wants to manage football games and limit mistakes. And he's all he's talked about. And that's why he wants Tyrod Taylor to be the quarterback. And he's had a hard time complimenting Justin Herbert. I mean, he really has. He, if you really listen to it, he has a hard time throwing a compliment out. He's he's hurt and bothered that Tyrod's not able to yeah. play. You can see that on him. But, you know, this one, hey, I know Justin Herbert's going to throw an interception later in the game. I don't really give a damn, though. I mean, Justin Herbert's the reason you're in the game all to begin with or uh, a big part of why you have this 24-7 lead. But it just makes no sense. You have a ferocious front with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You have a rookie quarterback, a rookie running back, and a shitty O-line. What the fuck is your middle run with 47 seconds left going to do, right? Kneel the ball. Oh, they called timeout. There's, 44, there's 43 seconds left in the clock. Yeah. Oh, kneel the ball again, and then you might have to kneel it one more time. Go in. 24-7? What? I mean, I bet you the, some of the Chargers would have looked like licked candy off the floor if you told them there was going to be 24-7. Yeah. I mean, yes. They just thought there was a 1% chance something was going to go wrong with a handoff there. And then the 1% happened. It it did. It it happened. It happened happened there. And it it could have cost them the game. Because, I mean, it's totally different going in the half up 24-7 or 24-14, whatever. I would argue it did cost them the game. I would, yes. I do. I I think that the Bucs are not able to come out and be as patient in the second half, not be able to get into some of those two and three tight end sets, not be able to be as patient with the run game and all that. If they're down by 17 I think they, they, they might be a little more panic or just rush rush there. I would argue this cost them the game as well before you get into your Justin Herbert yeah. breakdown. When they lost Austin Eckler, they had a real hard time running the football. Yes. Yes. They did not run the ball effectively after they lost him. And Austin Eckler, we're finding out, last year 
when he was going up against Melvin Gordon, we're like, hey, Austin Eckler, look at that, that's crazy. They're yeah. doing just as well with him as they are with Melvin Gordon. Right. Well, maybe Austin Eckler is actually better than Melvin Gordon right now in their stages of their career. And so when they lost him, yeah. they couldn't run, and that was a problem. No, definitely a problem. I mean, yes, he's their most talented runner. I think you're fair, fair to question that and say, is Eckler better than, than Gordon at this point in his career? I think it's a total fair question. I think there's a lot of people in L.A. to tell you, yeah, he is. Hmm. We're cool with Eckler. You know, where, where like, what you it, – it hurt to have that playmaker off the field. I don't think they would have ran – much for much yardage, even if they brought Jim Brown out of retirement in his prime. Like, they weren't going anywhere. Yeah. That D-line is for real in Tampa. I mean, they're, they're for real. They're scary good. And um, the Chargers O-line is not good. So I don't know if that, but where I did hurt them is like screen game, short passes, things like that. That's where I just look at it and go, damn, it sucks that they didn't have him in there. They certainly were missing that element of their football team. But at least Herbert made up for it. I mean, Herbert... I, you know, I don't even know where to begin. I mean, it's, it's there were two plays specifically. Yeah, the two bombs, like, right? Wow. Yes, the two bombs. Right. The one he threw 62 yards in the air. Yes. To Tyron Johnson. Right. That is the second longest completion of any quarterback in the last two years. Is that right? 62 yards in the air. And who's who's the first one? I knew you were going to ask that. I know because we talked. Well, but we've talked about this before too. That's what's crazy. I know we had this conversation like in the off season at some point. It's like Josh Allen. I, 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 I can't Russell remember. Wilson. Yeah. I don't know. But I'm not surprised that it's because it's one of the things I wrote down. Uh, and let me just get to it here. But I just wrote the first TD pass, the 83 Johnson. I mean, first off, I think the safeties were surprised at how fast 83 Johnson was. They kind of oh. took a, you know, like, oh, he won't get up on us so quick. And all of a sudden they were like, whoa, he's gone. Oh, my gosh. And then I also think they sat there and went, he's not going to throw it this far. Yes. He can't just, no way. And then he threw it not only far, but with semi-good pace, too. It wasn't like he threw it, like, way up high in the air. He threw it with good pace. It always comes out of his hand clean. And, yeah, you're right. He got every every bit of 62 or 63 yards in the air, perfect throw. And, again, not that arm strength is always, like, a must, 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 but you saw two quarterbacks with great arms yesterday, and you see what it can do for an offense. It expands the field, and it can erase leads or get you out to a lead in a hurry because of, hey, it's like a home run hitter. It's, whoa, a home run team. One or two swings, and this game will be different. Yeah, well, these two guys throw the ball down the field once or twice. Watch out. And then he threw it on the third and seven. Oh. Jalen Guyton. I looked at it. It was 42 yards, I think, yeah. off his back foot. Fading away. Fading right. away off his back foot. And it was nothing. It was nothing. He didn't even, like. He could have thrown it more. He could have definitely. That was, like, he probably took, took 30% off. I mean, he's special skills, special, like, athlete, specimen, whatever you want to say. And not everyone saw this coming out of college. There were a lot of people that were down on him from what they saw on film at Oregon. Yeah, well, I mean, Chris Sims wasn't. We know that. Yep. But people got to stop evaluating the team and blaming the quarterback. That's, that's, no one's going to get some of these evaluations right until they start evaluating the quarterback and not giving him credit or you know, making him the downfall of the team. I mean, it's just, we got to stop. There were enough plays at Oregon that you saw like these plays that we saw on Sunday that made you think, like, yeah, he can do this in the NFL. There was enough plays in Oregon where I saw throws and I just went, there's only a few people in football that can make that throw. That was the biggest thing to me. You know, I am, I'm a big, I'm a big lover of guys where I go, ooh, this is the good. Let's, I think I can work with this. Not the, 
oh, yeah, it's really solid. And, man, there's not a lot of good, but, yeah, I'll go with solid. He's running the offense well. You know, he's teamed up with a good system. and Right. I mean, he's clicking. The, he's winning. Right. Well, yeah, but so many, that's, where, that's where it leads to misevaluations yeah. so many times. And, you know, I always bring into, like, the Matt Leinerts and the Tim Tebows and those conversations because those are just glaring at, like, where we're going to go, hey, Matt Leinert was a real good quarterback. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to, like, like be totally negative on him. But, you know, oh, four-yard throw to Reggie Bush. Well, he made seven people miss and got 70 yards. Oh, wait, Clay Matthews got a sack, strip fumble. Oh, wait, the other first-round receiver. Oh, Lindell White. Oh, the other great defensive player. And then we go, well, Matt Leinert, Matt Leinert, Matt Leinert, Matt Leinert, yeah. USC Matt Leinert. Tim Tebow, Florida, Tim Tebow, Tebow, Tebow. Not the other 10 pro bowlers on the team he had on him. Yeah. Just Tim Tebow, Tim Tebow, Tim Tebow. And that's what we're in right now. And it just, I as you can see, it drives me fucking crazy right now. Well, he's, he's proving the doubters, if you had doubts of him uh, going into the year, wrong that he's got the talent and really thrust into the role without a whole lot of preparation, certainly for his first game as a starter. And now he's kind of getting into the swing of things, looking like he, uh, no, he has No, yeah. And I would think they would be able to, if they knew he was going to be the starter too, I would think that their offense would be a little different in, in some ways too, where you would start getting into like training camp and you'd go, wait, I can design some plays with this guy that, you know, I might have not done with Tyrod Taylor, but this guy can like run to the right and set up and throw a 60-yard laser to the left and do those type of things. So, you know, he is, he's, he's special that way. And the fact that they did it without a running game and hung in there that yeah. way, it just tells you that he's, he's a big-time talent. And really kind of like answered the bell every time you looked at it and you went, oh, here come the Bucks. I mean, of course, with that all-out touchdown pass that you're talking about, that was one of the highlights of the day. And I know Bruce Arians gushed about it. He did. But with all that and the way Herbert looked, right, all those things I like and everything, the story to me is still the Buccaneers' defense. The Buccaneers' defense, man. I'm just watch. They're, you know, I'm a fan of elite things on a football team, mm -hmm. elite units, elite. Oh, my defense has this elite part of it. You can always build on elite, and the Bucks have an elite front four. They have an elite front seven out of this world front seven that can be overwhelming at times and truly dominate a football game. And I think that's what I really like about them. And I think added added to that. I think Todd Bowles is finding the right combination of coverage and things like that in the back end to where, hey, maybe they're a little over-aggressive at times. I get that. That's probably why we saw some of those big plays. But um, even the young secondary guys like Winfield, Carlton Davis, uh, Murphy Bunting, they all have moments of really popping on film where you go, damn. Like they're starting to trust Carlton Davis like he's a lockdown island corner. I'm starting to see the transformation right in front of me where they're going, hey, you get him one-on-one. -on -one. And we'll do some different stuff over here. And they're not – it's like the offense. It's not peaking yet, but every week I start to go, ooh, right. ooh, ee, that looks good. Whoa, whoa. So, Which is why you said at the top of this, you would not be surprised if they were the best team in the NFC when it's all said and done. I, I would not. I mean, if you made me look at the NFC right now, of course we're going to give Seattle and Green Bay the top billings, I guess, yeah. right now. But I think realistically, actually, as I just sit here, yeah, I would put Tampa as number, number two, number three. I would. And, and let me just say this, too. Tampa would give Green Bay and Seattle and run for their money right now. There's no doubt. I mean, we, we know Green Bay's defense, nothing to write home about. Seattle, certainly not. Right. And NFC is just not as dominant as the AFC. The AFC has a lot of good football teams. Before we put a button on it, there were four undrafted free agents that scored a touchdown for the Chargers. Four of them. That's Undrafted insane. free agents. Tyron Johnson, Michael Davis. Jalen Guyton, 
Donald Parham. Wow. Do you know where any of those four went to college? Do you have any idea? Well, wait. I know the, the receiver went to Oklahoma State. Um, uh, Guyton. Oh, no, Tyron Johnson did, the yep. first one, the deep, the really fast one. Yep. Yes, he went to Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. State. White, White. I mean, I've been a fan of White at corner for a few years. David. I mean, Davis, Davis, right. Yeah. And his, he BYU? BYU. Right. Oh, two for two. Yeah, so that's oh, two for two. this is getting exciting. How okay. about uh, Jalen Guyton? Any idea? <laughs> These are smaller schools. Yep, I don't know. North Texas for Jalen Guyton. <sighs> and then Donald Parham, the tight end. Stetson University. They did not even have a football team from 56 to 2013, Pete notes here. That's amazing. First player from Stetson to ever score a touchdown in the NFL. Also the first XFL, XFL 2020 player to score a touchdown in the NFL. So he was in the XFL. Wow. Now making a name for himself in the NFL. Wow. Uh, not good enough for a win, but it was a pretty exciting game. Bucks beat the Chargers 38-31. We'll get to our other deep dive, Browns and Cowboys in just a second. First, we're going to do a victory lap for you. This is where we get to pump up your ego. Uh, and the victory lap is a player that has been in the victory lap section before, and that is DK Metcalf because he went off once again. Seattle beat the Dolphins 31-23, a little closer maybe than we would have thought. Um, but back in March of 2019, Chris, you said this, one of the freakiest can't-miss prospects of the whole draft. He was the ninth wide receiver taken. He was number one in your mind, number one in your heart, <laughs> and he's proving it. He's averaging over 100 yards per game this season, had another 106 in this game for Seattle. Yeah, well, he just is – it's amazing what Seattle's doing. He is a rare specimen. I mean, he really is. I mean, as you know, I don't think it took a rocket scientist to realize this. I just think, again, a little like we talked about with the quarterbacks a minute ago, he's misevaluated because we just – they decided to put all the problems of Ole Miss on DK Metcalf because he was the notable player to talk about. Uh, I don't know, production. Oh, doesn't have an extensive route tree. Well, the production comes from a crappy quarterback who wouldn't throw him the ball or an offensive coordinator every game where I went, I don't understand it. Are they trying to lose the game and not give their best player the ball? I, I couldn't yeah. understand. I literally wrote that in my notes. Pete will tell you that. I went to some games and got done. I go, I think they were trying to lose. Like, they didn't want to give A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf the ball. That's amazing. I mean, both of them. it was amazing. Yeah. It really was. And they'd be thrown to another guy like he was like, Odell Beckham Jr., and then you were like, wait, this guy's not going to the NFL. The other two are going to be awesome. What? I don't get it. So that, you know, fell into that. But either way, he is a mismatch nightmare. And for a team like Miami, he likes to play man-to-man -man and do all that. I mean, that was just bread and butter for Russell Wilson and his deep ball throwing and everything they got going on right now. Deep ball throwing is right for them. They got the big play offense. He had 24 completions but 360 yards on those 24 Holy completions. Crap. So they're – getting big chunk plays all the time. Old is, school stuff. It is disappointing for the, a Dolphins team that was built with a, with a secondary that you could argue had a, some of the best players um, playing in the secondary. There are some injuries. Yeah, there, no Byron Jones, right. Um, but uh, they did get uh, one of the guys back. Who'd they get back? Xavier Howard. Yeah, he was back. back. He got the interception, which um, kind of saved them at one point. But still, they entered the week, the 25th uh, worst team in the NFL in pass defense. So yeah. They're close in games, and part of me was thinking, like, okay, that's a sign of uh, of a team that's coming along, but then at the same time, I'm like, or maybe that's just a sign of a you know mid twenties team in the NFL is that they're close but not quite good. Yeah, enough. well, I you know, I, I think your first thought's good. I think it's right. I, you know, first off, let's think their losses are against the Bills, the Seahawks, yeah. and the Patriots, right? I mean, that's three of the better teams in football. So, it, it, but they've been competitive in those games, and it's a team that 
you know, again, I think it's still headed in the right direction. I, we want to see that new quarterback at some point, right? Yeah. But they ripped the Band-Aid off last year and totally did a rebuild. And they have some things you like about their team and their roster. Yeah, they, they, are, they paid Byron Jones because they want to play man-to-man and do that. Now, that they don't have him. That's a big loss for their football team. It really is. I mean, he's, he's the kind of guy that can match up with a Metcalf and maybe at least make life hard on him to a degree. Um, but, you know, I think ultimately not a good enough pass rush and when you play man-to-man against Russell Wilson and company. And then the other thing is, you know, like we've seen in every week with Seattle, yeah, the defense isn't impressive, but they make a play or two every game to give themselves that advantage. And that we've seen that in every game so far, you know, other than the Patriots game, really, to where they make a play at some point to go, okay, advantage us. Here you go, Russ. We already had the lead because you're kicking butt, and now we're going to give you the two-score lead. Go ahead and kick butt one more time, and that should be good for us for the day. That should be good. You know, that's really the way they're playing. And yesterday was, you know, hey, Seattle scores touchdowns, you guys kick field goals. We'll score touchdowns, yeah. you kick field goals. And if that happens, you're not going to beat them. Never really felt like the Seahawks were going to lose this game. Right? We haven't lost this year. 4-0 for the second time in team history. Last time was 2013. We all know what happened that year. What happened? Was that there? Super Bowl. That was a Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah, that's when they went into MetLife and whooped the crap out of Peyton Manning and the. And you the have that. You've picked them as your Super Bowl team this year. I did. Yeah. Are you still feeling good about that? I am. I listen. I think every game will be like this this year. So I'm never going to panic and go. Oh, their defense is still. We're going to yeah. be saying that after the NFC Championship game. We're going to be. Oh, their defense led up 450, but Russell Wilson came through again. Yeah. I mean, I, I just. We. I would not be shocked. I really would not. And maybe by the end of the year. 450 won't even be that bad anymore. You're like, four, uh, we held them to 450. Uh, under 500, good. we'll take it. That was it. good because we did have a quarterback go Seriously. over 500 this week. So there's your victory lap. We only gave you one of those. Oh. But with the self-scout thyself, we've got three. Oh, so good. that's good. we got three things so we've that got shit got three on you, things man. that, yes, exactly. And that is before we get to the Cleveland Browns fans oh, crapping great, on you. Great. So we got a lot coming here, so good, get prepared. Good, uh, First, self-scout thyself. And this is something that, I mean, you've talked about Drew Brees for the last couple of years now. Uh, that what they need to do, what they yeah. need to show, right? And they showed it. They they, they tried to throw the ball down the field, and they were successful in that. They beat the Lions uh, on YouTube right now. If you're watching, here is the the chart versus Green Bay, as opposed that was last week, right? As opposed to the Lions this week. Thing you noticed, Chris, the thing you pointed out against Green Bay, so many passes behind the line of scrimmage right. against Detroit this week. You got just two, plus you got a few over that plus 20 mark. So yeah. a concerted effort to throw the ball deep against the Lions, and they were able to do it. Yeah, no, no, no question. And, I, you know, yeah, you look especially from that 15 to 22 and 23 area, you see a lot there. And then you see a few just in that 10 to 15 area where, yes, the week before, look at how many are below 10. And then kind of all around the hash marks and things like that. Mm-hmm. Listen, Drew Brees doesn't need to be Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers or bombs away, you know, anything like that. He just needs to be what he did yesterday in that Saints offense, which was be just enough of an aggressive passing game to scare you, keep the rest of the offense open, keep the underneath passing game and the run game available. But I thought Drew Brees, really, he threw the ball really well. I didn't – I think the thing, too – and I talked about this with Mike Tirico a little bit when we were watching this game yesterday. You know, he just went he, – because he made a comment. He goes, you know, Drew's arm looks the same because he was out there last week. And I said, you know, I said, Mike, I feel the same way. 
I don't look at it like, oh man, Drew lost five miles per hour from last year. The biggest thing we saw, I think, in the first few weeks was just, I saw a few times of second guessing himself. Like, I'm going to throw this 20-yard crosser. Ah, I don't know, but for some reason I chickened out and I threw it. And yesterday I saw him drop back and just, I like what I see, and he fired it. And they got Emmanuel Sanders and Traquan Smith involved, and yeah. they found the right way to do it, too, in the area where Drew likes it. You know, still down the middle somewhat, deep crossers, things like that. And, uh, yeah, they got off to a little bit of a shaky start, but once they got rolling, that game was over. Pete notes here that weeks one through three, 23% of the passes were 10 or more yards down the field. Last week against the Lions, a Sunday, 52%. Um, yeah, he completed nine passes, 10 or more yards down the field. That's... He had just 12 total the first three weeks. Yeah. And so they did. They, they were like, Drew, wing it. And if you're not going to do it against the Lions, who are you going to do it against? Which, it's a Lions defense that you credited them. You said they matched up well with Kyler Murray and what Cliff tries to do there in Arizona. Yeah. Clearly, they don't match up well no. with what Sean Payton does No, Drew Brees. No, they don't. Cliff Kingsbury doesn't have those type of plays to take advantage of some of the – like, he, he misses that inventory of his offense. Sean Payton, when you want to play single safety, man-to-man coverage, he's just got too many ways to beat you. And then with Kamara and the way they run the ball, then they really fuck you because you just go – well, shit, they're opening up big holes, and then the linebackers who you're hoping can maybe get underneath some of those crossing routes and things that you saw him throw, they can't because they're too far up into the line of scrimmage. So, you know, that was a good, good win for the Saints yesterday. So are we, uh, have, we, uh, have we taken a deep breath, and are we saying, okay, Drew Brees, from this point forward, will be the guy who can throw ball, the ball deep five, ten times a game, or was it just because we're playing the line. No, no. I, I think we're going to see this more. I think Drew's a competitor. I think Sean Payton, they all are aware of this. I think they also need to be – they're aware because they know it helps their offense when they have that approach. What I'll be watching from Drew Brees, what we've seen the last two years, is once we get into those early December games, that's when I've seen his arm kind of get tired mm. the last two years, and I've gone, ugh. That's, you know – there needs to be a little more juice in it. And that, that's really, I think, the biggest thing to watch for. But as far as yesterday's concern and everything like that, man, he was striping it. Four of the five touchdown drives went for 75 or more yards for the Saints, so they just moved the ball down the field. What they do. The Lions now have blown double-digit leads for the third time in four games. The only time they didn't do that was the one game they won. Uh, and, in fact, they have lost now six straight games in which they had a double-digit lead, which leads to our question from 11 Jordan Cole. Why the F does Matt Patricia still have a job? Well, I understand the question. I get that. I do. Um, it's more than Matt Patricia, certainly, but it's not a good look when you're supposed to be a defensive genius and your defense is getting shredded a lot, right? Mm-hmm. That, that, that is, but you know, I think you know, ultimately they're trying to implement a way or a culture there, and yeah, it's not taking. It's not. And I think the biggest thing I have an issue with more than anything is I, I, I just I don't think it's an overly talented team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. That's where I just look at it and go, oh, all right, well, we're going to play man, but who's playing man? Yeah, you Who? need a Jeff Okuda to come in there and save the day. Yeah, and, really he's, and he's looking better. Yeah. I mean, he looked good last week against Arizona, and I'll, I'll let you know what he looked like Wednesday when, we, when I get to really evaluate this film. I mean, he looks good. But when you want to play that style of defense – you got to have more than one. Yeah. I mean, that's the Patriots. You know, you just talked about the Dolphins. They're missing Byron Jones. They have Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, and they drafted a first-round corner this year. So, yeah, oh, we want to play man-to-man, then they, you better have some man-to-man studs. And that's where I don't understand that. 
And then let alone, they don't have a pass rush. And that's just not a good combo. That's, a, that's the worst combo. Or do imaginable. they have a great run-stopping D-line. Okay, that's a really bad trifecta. And they don't have great uniforms. Okay. So there, <laughs> that I'll push back on. I still like the Lions uniforms. I still like the color Honolulu blue. I, I like that. Honolulu blue Honolulu doesn't blue. go in Michigan. It does. You're right. It does not. But they've had it long enough, and it's unique enough to where I'm still I okay with it. I guess it has to do with. Does Ford have to do something with that? Is that an official well, Ford a good color? Question. I know? don't know. Uh, Ford seems to be a little of a darker blue. The right? first Model T was Honolulu blue. Was it? No, I just made it. Candy Honolulu blue. Uh, so Lions lost again. Uh, thanks for making me Sorry. talk about that again. Sorry. Uh, okay, one. Sorry. Oh, two more. Self scout thyself. Or no, one more. No, it's two more. Oh, two more. Yeah, yeah two, two more. more. Sorry, yeah, that was two more the same game. shit on Chris segments. Here. Uh, Nick Foles. You were throwing some complimentary words toward Nick Nick Foles. Yeah. Um, but we all know what Nick Foles is. He's not a super superstar quarterback, but he can win games. But what he Went up against here was a pretty good defense. Tom asks us this question. It's amazing how hot and cold Nick Foles runs. He has a split personality arm. One yeah. day MVP, the next day a backup scrub. Yeah. What do you think about that split personality arm? Well, I, I know what they're saying. And certainly, you know, there, there is this weird thing about he just seems better as a backup and when he comes in the game that way. But I think what you said to start is really the story. It's not about Nick Foles' struggles. It's about... Finally, everybody yesterday realized how good the Colts' defense was. You know, and I know they, you know, people probably, it, they got wiped off the radar because they, they lost that lead in week one to the Jags. And I think everybody just went, whoa, they must not be good. And they didn't really look at like, no, Phillip Rivers threw some dumb interceptions. They did some dumb things. And they played pretty good in that game, too. They really messed it up. But ever since that, they've been, they've been dominant. I mean, they steamrolled the Jets. They steamrolled the Vikings, mm-hmm. and they had moments yesterday of steamrolling the Bears up front, too. This is statistically the best defense in football. I'm not willing to say it's the best in Chris Sims's statistics yeah, book not, yet. Not the greatest offenses they're going against. There, but no, but it's not, but it's still a very good defense. And the big thing is they Seattle scheme, here we go again, and what do they got? They got a front four. They, like 49ers last year, they can send waves at you of guys. And maybe not the superstars of Nick Bosa and D. Ford, but still a lot of good. DeForest Buckner, Justin Houston, and a bunch of other guys who are really good football players. And I think that's the beauty of their football team. They have an awesome linebacking duo. And their corners were a question mark for me, and they've come through. They really have. So Julian Blackman, one of my favorite safeties in the draft, he had a big pick yesterday. All I'm saying is watch out for the Colts. Watch out for the Colts. I think, and I'm just going to look at this real quick, but the Colts are, I I do think, in that conversation for third, fourth best team in the AFC. You know, certainly Kansas City and Baltimore, you know, but then you get into Buffalo, Indy, Pittsburgh, Tennessee. I mean, to me, that's a very close race there. If somebody said, I think the Colts are better than Tennessee and Pittsburgh, I'd go, yeah, that's not crazy. I'm not mad at you there. I mean, this is how they have to win, right? They they allow just 28 rushing yards, fewest in a game since 2009. So the Bears could do nothing on the ground there. Their Bears were flagged for 103 yards in penalties. That was almost negated all of their offense for the the day. But, but yeah, it's not going to be this explosive offense for sure. No. They're going to try to run the ball, Jonathan Taylor. Those guys, they got there and play some defense. and uh, It's what we want. I think the yeah. other encouraging thing is defense, what we saw. But look at Phillip Rivers, 16 for 29, 190, one touchdown, zero interceptions. That's he, what. Here's the quote from Rivers yeah. after the game. We didn't do dumb things. 
We didn't turn the ball over three times. I didn't do dumb things. If you just said that, he would have been perfect yeah. for the self-scout segment here. Yeah. But, yes. He doesn't want to make it all about himself. Well, he hopefully he's learning, thing. though. Hopefully he's starting to look at his team. You know, we talked about this last week a little with Carson Wentz. Like, part of the quarterback's job is to evaluate your team, evaluate the game, run the game. He, I think he's seen now for – he's starting to go, whoa, like, I don't need to hang in the pocket and throw with four people on my back to Keenan Allen anymore like he did with the Chargers. I think he's now going, damn, we're, we're kind of good. I'll have another crack next series. Let me throw this ball away or take a sack, and we'll punt it back. And the defense, will, they'll get us the ball back here in a hurry, and we'll go back at it again. They're, they're dangerous. Watch out for the Colts. Colts win. They're 3-1 and one now. I feel like them with Colts Brady. I feel it's almost yeah. very similar. It's like both teams, you're starting to see it, and you're going, ooh, this could be good. Both teams, 3-1 and one Bears, uh, lucky to start off 3-0 and oh before this one. They'll need those three wins to get into the playoffs, I think. Uh, one more self-scout thyself before yeah. we move on to our next deep dive. That is 49ers-Eagles upset win for the Ooh. Eagles, 25-20. to 20. We'll Ooh. give you the self-scout thyself. Not that you were effusive in your praise of Nick Mullins, but you thought, you know, Nick Mullins, you, know, you said, I think the quote was, I asked you, is a 90% Jimmy Garoppolo about the same as 100% Nick Mullins. And you're like, yeah, that's probably about true. Yeah. Um, what do you think after after this game? Well, he, I mean, hey, listen, there's no other way to sugarcoat this. He played like shit last night. He's the reason they lost the game. Hands down. From get-go. From get-go. Missed wide-open slant first play of the game. Missed wide-open, like, you only get this once every few weeks to use check, right? Yeah. He's going to fake lead block. He goes, I mean, that's... If it's not a touchdown, it's going to be a tackle at the other team's 15-yard line. And you go, here we go. We got our offense going. He was the reason they were out of rhythm all night. His pocket presence was horrible. His first interception when they were in field goal range was so stupid. I thought Kyle might pull him out of the game right then. I thought, ooh. But he had showed some life in the two drives before. So he went, oh, okay, maybe, all right, we'll let that go, even though that was like, one of the dumber interceptions of the year by anybody. And then the pick six, not only a bad decision, but just a, a shit throw. He he shanked it for quarterback terms. I mean, he shanked it. It was shankopotamus. It was a weird – I will say it was a weird play. They had the, the dots for it on next gen. Um, there were just two receivers that went out for routes on yeah. that one. It was Bourne on one side, and on the other side it was IU. Yeah, and they, they both, both ran an out route, right? They both ran little button hooks. Oh, like, yeah, it was like a, yeah, 10 yard, okay. right. 15 yard hooks. Right. And uh, the Eagles had seven back in coverage, so that was that play was probably not going to work either way. It turned out to be the worst possible outcome in that play, but I did think it was kind of a weird. Well, I think he's play. looking at it going like, "Wait, let's just protect here because they've gotten some pressure. My quarterback's been a little shaky the last series or two. Yeah, they didn't bring the pressure. No, time. I know they didn't. And he's just going, "Let me just call someone safe to where he can just look at a guy and throw to that guy." Yeah. And yeah, you're right. He wasn't wide open, but there was a room to just go, "Hey, throw this ball." high and outside, and maybe your guy catches like that. Because yeah. you're right, they call it, uh, I believe, an acute route, which is like a hook, but then they work to the sidelines. Yeah. And, um, but the, the, the big thing is the throw was like 10 yards short. The throw was not good. It, yeah. it literally, that's why I say it shanked. It came out of his hand funny. If Alex Singleton would not have picked it off, probably Jalen Mills probably would have. Probably would it have. Off. Yes, it was a, it was a flutterer. It. Right, no um, doubt about So, no, okay, so. And then C.J. Beathard comes in there, and then he uh, – you're you're always the one to say, don't look at the stats, because at that point you're probably playing a Ben don't-break defense. But he did look better than Nick Mullins. No doubt. I think you could see that he's a much more natural thrower. It's just – it's more fluid. It comes out of his hand easier. It's less effort. I mean, Nick Mullins such a uh, – 
And C.J. Beathard was just, ah, there you go. Former third-round oh. pick, and so they were really high on him. Really high on him. just happened not to really be ready when Jimmy got hurt a couple of years ago. And Did so some stupid things, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, you were out there at that time, I right? Was, I mean, yeah. there were some, a lot of exciting games where you went, man, this guy makes plays yep. and makes throws, but like at the end of every game, you're like, this is C.J. Beathard, dude, something dumb time, and he kind of delivered that way. But it's funny, it's like that was his rookie year, and of course you're going to make mistakes, but I know. then... Jimmy comes back, and Nick Mullins performed well. So you're like, well, what reason do we have to put C.J. Beathard back? Well, Beathard got benched that year, right? They put Nick Mullins in. He had a few little games, right, where he did well. Jimmy comes back, and Nick Mullins has just been able to hang on to the backup role ever since. But if Jimmy's not back this week, I would be shocked if Shanahan went back with Mullins. I mean, it would be shocked. Uh, That would be hard to give the team. That's one of those games where the team goes in today and watches film. And the players go, ooh, man, Nick Mullins didn't play well. Yeah. And the coach comes out of the meeting going, holy fuck, our quarterback was horrible. Like, with the coach's meeting, he doesn't say that to the players. Yeah. But he comes out going, like, I can't believe, like, that would be that type of, so there's no way he'll be back in that starting role. One more thing on the 49ers real quick, yeah. and then get to the Eagles who actually won this game, and the Eagles fans have been like, hey, come on, give us some love. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, that hurdle job that he did for uh, the first touchdown, Insane. the 38-yard run. I was thinking, you left. Brandon Ayuk off of your top five I know. wide receivers. I know. And now I know why it was a favor to Kyle Shanahan. Well, you didn't want to get his his star too bright, and so you you downplayed him, so that was good. That was a good friend move by you. I, I, I can't lie. All right, I'll say this. He wasn't in my top five. Legit. Yes. Legit. Now, after I got into my top five, and it was quarantine time, and I, I had a lot of conversations with Kyle just about football and everything like that, I know how – I knew pretty, like – at least three to four weeks before the draft that he loved Ayuk. And he was, you know, hey, you need to go back and watch this and watch this. And I started watching, I'm like, oh, man, this guy's freaking good. I should have had him in my top five. <laughs> uh, uh, but but I, 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 um, I, I legitimately, yes, I'm not going to lie. I did not tout him hard yeah. for my buddy. I did not. I just yeah. was like, you know what? It's not getting a lot of track, you know, traction right now. I'm just going to stay off of it and just kind of let it go. I kept saying when we bring him up, oh, I like Ayuk. He's good. Well, your, really and your, like initial, your, your initial read was that he wasn't a top five, and so you right. could just stick with that. But hey, there's some good been. receivers this year in this draft, exactly. too. Exactly. So, yeah. there, were, there were maybe, you know, 20 top 10 receivers in maybe. the draft this year. Maybe. Uh, real quick on the Eagles, because yeah. they won this game, and Carson Wentz is becoming my favorite uh, quarterback to watch run the ball. Not that he's the most talented, but he is tough as nails running the ball, and at times maybe better running the ball this year than, than throwing the ball. And so he had 37 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Uh, but the, the Eagles did just enough to win this game. That, that, that's really all there is to say. I mean, the Eagles are just tough and gritty and hung in there, and it's a testament to Doug Peterson. They play hard, and that's the way their quarterback plays. That's, I mean, again, first off, he's the only thing they got on offense. Did he miss a few throws last night? Definitely. I mean, should he hit Miles Sanders over the middle when he threw that ball real low? Like, yeah. There's some throws where you're just like, come on, Carson. Like, you, you don't miss that. But, damn, he makes some of the damnedest plays. And damn, he's the only thing they got working for them on the offensive side of the ball. There's nothing else there. And, yeah, he's a huge part of why they win that game. I mean, we know the defense did whatever, but, you know, the big touchdown pass, just some of the scrambling, the ability just to, again, not lose your wits when you're constantly under pressure because you got backups all over the offensive line and they're constantly on you. I mean, I have great respect for Carson Wentz that way. He's not perfect. We know that, but... Uh, he's, he's not tough, and he never backs down from anything. Second deep dive. You ready to get into it? Oh, yeah. 
Cleveland Browns defeat the Cowboys 49-38. to Browns start 3-1 for the first time since 2001. They had 307 rushing yards in the game. Uh, the reason we're doing this game is because Pete always throws it out, and you throw it out on Twitter. You go, vote for the game you want to see the deep dive of. And it was 57% Browns-Cowboys. Now, Bill's Mafia comes up strong for these. They won the one last week. And they were filling the ballot box again this week. They were not strong enough, 31%. Although I do think you're going to take a look at your boy, Josh Allen, probably a little bit closer oh, definitely. Uh, this week. And That's we will football talk, porn. i got to watch that. We will talk about this game uh, later in this podcast. <laughs> but let's do the Browns and, uh, the Browns and Cowboys here. And I'll, add, I'll start it with this question. Uh, is the Cowboys defense the worst defense in the NFL right mm. now? <laughs> I think it is. I, yeah, I do. Because I think when I look at it, and you know what? We'll just just so I we're sitting here. Let's like let's yeah. little, literally look where. So they're ranked thirtieth in football. The teams that are worse than them are the Falcons and the Seahawks. The Seahawks, I'm taking them over those two defenses all day, just because we've talked about. It. They make a few plays every game, so I'm not worried about that. And the Seahawks can stop the run, so at least like they're only getting gashed in one part of the game. You know, the Cowboys get gashed equally. They're very. Very, what is it, bipartisan there? Is that what I want to say? Uh, I don't think so. No, it's but. wrong. <laughs> I had some word that came into my head that was not correct. Either way, they stink at both, the Cowboys. Yeah. They really do. And as I sit here and just look, I, yeah, I think I think it would be up there. I mean, your Lions defense is Lions are challenging. competing. They're competing. Um, but I, I, I still, I look at. I think the Falcons is the worst. The Cowboys is the second worst. So something with Mike Nolan's defense here is not working for the Cowboys. Let's start there. Let's let's just start. And then we'll get into the Browns fans hating you. But, okay, we'll start yeah. here with oh, the Cowboys okay. D. There is definitely, I think that's the biggest thing to talk about with what the Cowboys D are going. And, you know, you mentioned before the show, I kind of said this, and you were like, well, you think the, you would have thought the Cowboys would have figured this out before the season started. Mm-hmm. You know, they're really in a weird spot here. One, I overestimated their talent on the defensive side of the ball. I'm not, if we're going to self-scout, I'll say that. Obviously, I think a lot of people did. But, so that's underwhelming. And then when you don't have great talent and you're learning a new scheme and then that scheme doesn't even fit the talent because this defense for the last blah, blah, years, five years has been built on the Seattle scheme. Let's get guys that are quick and we're just going to do this and we're going to shoot gaps and we'll be able to play fast football. Mike Nolan's not like that. Mike Nolan was my dad's defensive coordinator with the Giants in 1993. It's a 3-4 base scheme. That's what he wants to do. I played with Mike Nolan in Denver in 2009. You know, it's the same thing. It's a 3-4 base scheme. That's what he did with the 49ers when he's a head coach there. He wants more big people that are going to hold you up and now let me read the play. Oh, it's coming this way. Get off me, and now I'll make the tackle. Kind of like cloggers. It's the New England way. He doesn't want attackers. He wants like he wants you to hold your ground and read it. They don't have those guys. These this D line's not made to play that defense. Let alone it's not a very talented D line to begin with. So with that, that's where it's just a double whammy. And then in the back end, I think you could talk about the same thing. Not overly talented. They're learning a new scheme too. And it's just a double whammy of we're not that good. We're messing up things because we're still learning on the fly. We've played a good few good offenses, and we're not talented. And it's just they're just getting crushed. They're going to need to outscore people. They could not outscore the Browns in this one, who did look pretty impressive. Got out to the big lead, 41-14. to uh, Got a comment here from Z Crawford, too. 
I'm voting for Browns Cowboys just to just so that you can eat crow for talking crap about the Stefanski hire. So Pete notes that we found a force stronger than Bill's Mafia on Twitter, and that is Browns fans who have been scorned. Uh, we'll take you back, and there's an old clip now that's resurfaced, right, Chris, right. of what you said oh, when this no. uh, when Kevin Stefanski was hired. Yeah, you said you said it called it a quote dumpster fire, and said I don't know what why what you would hire Kevin Stefanski for when Mike Zimmer is putting all his praise on Gary Kubiak. So, what do you think? What what do you think of uh, Browns fans digging up old clips of Chris Sims? First of all, it means yeah. they care. It no, means they care. Well, it's all. all right, and it's they're okay. listening. Yeah, and uh, were you wrong? Yeah, I was. I mean, um, I've been very impressed with it. I, I really have. Now. You know, this is where I just don't like social media and all this. Like, I've already said this like 27 times leading up in the four weeks. Yeah. I even said, even before the season started, I mean, I picked the Browns to win nine plus games. You know, the AFC so good, I thought they're going to win nine games and not make the playoffs, which it, it might be. But I think the thing, you know, Stefanski, as I sat back more and more and we got closer to the season, I went, ooh, wait, this team could, could be built for the way he wants to do things. Now, I didn't see any of these tweets or anything after week one when it was 38-6. to six. Somehow they <laughs> forgot that. But, um, yes. Well, I think the th- first thing I'll give him credit for is I do see a lot of formations. I do see a lot of movement, more than I saw in Minnesota that I like. The run game is where he is special. That is, he, they dominated in the run game. And he's got everything in his run game. We know the O-line's good. They got a good blocking tight end in Hooper. And the running backs are special. Now... That's where they really separate themselves, and I think that's where he finally kind of found, like, okay, wait, screw Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr., Baker Mayfield. I don't need to have, like, the sexiest show on earth, and we throw for 400 yards every week. Wait, if we just win games, everybody will be happy. And our best way to win games is because we can run block and we have studs at running back. They're not going to win it through his passing game. His passing game is still a little underwhelming. I don't sit there and go, whoa. Stevin, Stevin, uh, Kevin, Kevin Stefanski, Kevin Stefanski yeah. whoa, he's inventing drop-back pass plays right. that I've never seen. No, it's very basic that way. But He's his, moving Baker outside the pocket maybe a little doing, bit more, although they did do some of that last year. They did, well. they did. But they, they're doing what you saw Minnesota and Kirk Cousins do last year, except maybe a few more wrinkles in the run game, and we'll see where the drop-back pass game goes. But, you know, the running backs they got, the offensive line they got, and then he does it every which way. You know, this is what I love about him, too. He's a great zone-blocking run team. I mean, and that's where the Cowboys should be embarrassed, how many times they got reached on zone blocks, where, I mean, they, they have the outside leverage, and they let Cleveland reach block them and get the outside leverage to where now they can't get on the outside. How many times that happened? Is, from the first play of the game. From the, I want to bash my head into the table and be like, what are you, Dallas? What the hell are you doing? Then they're great at – pulling guards and doing stuff like that. And this is where it's rare because usually good run teams are kind of just like, we're good at this part of the run and we're really good. Yeah. We're not, and this is like Shanahan stuff where I'm seeing, where I'm going, whoa, all right, pulling guards good. Whoa, inside trap pretty good. Ooh, toss sweeps pretty good. Oh, reverses really good that keep you off of their bread and butter run plays. And that was a nice addition too. Not only the reverse, but the reverse pass to get you going, yes. right? The trick plays, right? Yeah. And then the reverse, just a little Feel flavor it. for you. Two of them, right? One for a big gain, and then the other one to touchdown to win it. Yeah, he stole that play from Shanahan. It's Brandon Ayuk ran for a touchdown on that exact play last week against the New York Giants. Hmm. Same play. 
fake, fake like we're going to pull the guard to the left. We're going to have the tight end come back underneath and lead the back. Oh, no, stop and go back the other way and give the reverse and Odell Beckham Jr. So from all those things, I really like Cleveland and what they're doing on the offensive side of the ball. The pass game, like I said, needs a little work, definitely. Baker still has moments where I go, how do you miss that throw? Or how did you not see that guy over the middle? Yeah. It's not perfect. There was one down the sideline late to Odell. Oh, I mean, it. that was it. That was game really? sealer. That should have been the game right there. You're right. But, you know, again, there's still a lot of good from the past game and Baker. And I think Cleveland's one of those teams you just say, you know, watch out for. They're on the right track. It's funny you bring up Kyle there on a couple of things because you got a Twitter response from Sage Rosenfels. Whoa. Who says, as someone who played for Stefanski, Kyle Shanahan, and Matt LaFleur, I'd put Kevin in the mix as a coach. Maybe not as creative as Kyle, but the attention to detail and ability to connect to my teammates was off the charts. Mm, I, I can see that. I, Sage is a great dude. Uh, you know, yeah, Sage played for Kyle uh, as well, so he understands that. But, yeah, I, I, I could see that, especially in the run game. And the attention to detail is real. Now, the pass game has to start to expand. It does. Because they're going to have their match here soon where they're going to play a team and they're going to go, you're not running on us. So let me ask you this. 2019 Vikings offense Yeah. to what you're seeing with the Browns here. Is he doing less with the pass game? Is he trying to do more? What are, what are some No, I think it's equal no. right now. I don't, about I, the same. About the same. Yeah, I do. I think it's about the same. Um, I think he's – yeah, I think he's got a better offensive line in front of him right yeah. now than Minnesota did. I mean, those guys, they, we do have to give them credit, right? Yeah. Wyatt Teller, PFF, has him as one of the highest-graded guards out there. Uh, this year, Virginia Tech guy. Yeah. Used to be with Buffalo. Jedrick Wills, who you were big on. Was he your number one lineman coming uh, out of that? Yeah, no, he was not my number no- Oh, uh, wait, who was Joey number one? Hold on, I'm trying he to was up there. I think he was you one. Liked him. I, think I think he, he was, was one. one. I, I think, think he, he was, was one. You're right. Uh, Joel Bentonio. Yeah, Joel Bentonio. He's uh, another good guard. J.C. Treader and, of course, Jack Conklin. So yeah. we're talking an elite unit right now, at least run blocking. Elite. I mean, very elite. They really are. And, and like we just talked about, they're versatile, too. So it's not like, oh, they have to – you know, only do, like, double teams and push forward. Certain offensive lines are like that. Like, I don't think the Saints can do. Saints' offensive line's awesome. But I don't think they can pull guards and do all the movement stuff that this Browns' offensive line can do. That's where they're, they're really special that way. And, you know, the pass game will, I think, come. I mean, I think they are getting to a point because you saw moments in the game where you went, oh, I mean, Cowboys got no, cha- no choice here but just leave these guys one-on-one on the outside. They got no choice. Yeah. And Baker hit a few. And he missed a few. Uh, we'll see where that goes. But, you know, Dallas's defense is atrocious. And um, they should be embarrassed by what they did. And, you know, we might as well. Let me just see if there's anything else I'm missing Let me here. Let me give you some. Uh, oh, yeah, please do. While you look for uh, your other yeah. points here. I mean, there were some Browns fans who had your back. Oh, that's nice. You know, there, were, there was most 90% hate. 90% were crapping at you. Right. But uh, JCOSU86 says, well, to be fair, after the Baltimore game, I was having serious doubts, like you mentioned. There haven't been, uh, they haven't been 2-1 since 2014. They haven't been 3-1 and one since 2001. Bad hire after bad hire. Crappy draft after crappy draft. It's an outspoken opinion, but I felt like this myself. It's which I've always thought no one's going to be harder on the team than their fans. Right. It's like as a Lions fan. As, right. But we like to say when someone is wrong and our team actually is good, we like to crap on the person that doubted us. <laughs> Players say it all. It's what makes the sports world go round. It right? is, no doubt. It's like no one, everyone doubted me. No one thought I could do this. Right. And so you almost, you've, you've done them a favor, to well, be quite honest with you. Oh, you've good. done Browns fans a favor because now they have you to, to point at and feel really good about. Um, OBJ, yeah. Odell Beckham. Right. 
huge game for him. Uh, and I know there was questions when we started this year, right? Is it not going to work for him in Cleveland? So here, really positive signs specifically in this game yeah. on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, he doesn't have to lead football in receptions and do all those things. Yeah. You know, I think he just – he'll be happy. Get him the ball. Get him, get him the ball. He doesn't give a damn if it's a running or pass or a flip or whatever. From wide receiver. Or, yeah. yeah, he doesn't give a damn. You know, and if you got to, like, infuse him and he's going to be Debo Samuel for the Cleveland Browns, then so be it. Let it do it. That's another weapon for your team. Do it. Get him the ball in his hands, both him and Jarvis Landry. And if it has to be through the running game, then so be it too. Who cares? I don't think they're going to care, those guys. I think they just want to win, and they want to have an influence on the game. And I think as long as you get them touches, and Stefanski, I know he made comments to Florio about he's really putting pressure on himself to, to you know, um, find ways to get Odell the ball early on in the game. And rightfully so. He should. You know, that's why you sign playmakers. I mean, the playmakers won the game for the Browns yesterday. Yeah. Stars won. I mean, when I always go, I don't know who's going to make a play when it has to win a game. Well, Miles Garrett made plays yesterday. Odell Beckham Jr. made plays yesterday to win the game for that football team. And that's what they do have. You know, so there's some there's some really good there. And I, I think mean, Stefanski will continue to expand the, the playbook there. Before we put a button on this one, yeah. we should talk about the Dallas offense. Although there's not a whole well, lot to say here. Hold right? on. Yes. I just want to finish this. Right, right. Okay. Dallas Cowboys defense stinks. Yes. Let's just button this up. Okay. <laughs> they stink. If you didn't get that at the top, you've got it now. Some They have no I, – I don't know what they're doing at times. I really yeah. don't. I've talked about the personnel. It's not good. The front seven's not good. The secondary's just, eh. All right? I mean – they're not doing the right thing schematically. Some run fits, I just go, I don't even know how this is expected to work here. I, I can't figure it out. I watch it 20 times in a row and go, I don't know how the coach is expecting the players to get this job done, right? So I think there's some unrealisticness being asked of the players there. And then, you know, just just last few things here. Just, you know, OBJ on the slant, touchdown to Daryl Worley. Like, What? Daryl Worley on an island against Odell Beckham Jr., no help anywhere? Mm-hmm. What? Mind-blown emoji. That, that, that can't happen. And I guess that's the last thing I wanted to say. There was as one more thing. As much as you've ripped the Seattle scheme, right. they'd probably be better off going back to it. They're, they would right now. There's, there's more suited for it. That's the way to say it. Yes, they are more suited for that. Um, and I think that was uh, – Okay, I'm good there. I think I got it all out of my system. Let's go quick on the other side of the ball here and then get to our other games of the yeah. week. Um, Dallas's offense is crazy. They're always coming from behind, though. Right. And so it's like, I don't know how many of those stats are real or garbage time, but Dak has now thrown a grand total, speaking to this point, a grand total of two passes with the Cowboys in the lead. That was back in week week one when they uh, took a 14-13 lead at the end of the first half. So they've been behind basically this whole year, except at the end of the game against Atlanta there, and for the most game, uh, for all the game here against Cleveland. Um, Here's one comment, kind of interesting, from Sloppy JoJo Cards. It says, Amari Cooper has been quitting on routes all season when he knows the ball isn't supposed to come to him. With as much talent as they have at wide receiver, do you think they should trade him? What do you think of that observation from Sloppy JoJo Cards, a scout on Twitter? Well, there's I, I think you can find that probably with a lot of receivers where they go, <laughs> oh wait, this I know this play the way Coach coached it, it's yeah. gonna go way over there. 
Amari Cooper, I will say from time to time, he does jump out a little bit more than maybe others. We're going like, oh, he really knows it's not going his way. And he'll do like just a fake move at the line of scrimmage and kind of jog off or whatever. But I, I think that's being a little nitpicky. Okay. All right. And I still think he's their most talented wide receiver. So I would do that. I mean, to me right now, where I, I, I've said this yesterday and NBC people will hear me say, why did they draft CeeDee Lamb? That's where I, I first want to go. I know CeeDee Lamb's awesome. He's my number one receiver. But why? They have five other great receivers. Uh, to, to me, it's almost I'm almost like, man, they could have used a defensive tackle or a defensive end or a corner. Yeah. So maybe they should trade Amari Cooper. I, I mean, listen, if they want to do that, that's fine. I, I, I don't know. They have, a, they have issues. defensive guy in there. Yeah. I know. Yeah, they have, they, need, they have issues. Offensively, though, I mean, what's there to say offensively for this team? They can, they can put up points when they're behind. I mean, these aren't great defenses they're doing it to. Atlanta. Well, yeah, Browns. I think that's the, the, the big thing is their stars have let them down. They got, by, they got behind against the Falcons because fumble. fumbles Zeke. by Zeke, fumble by Dak Prescott. Yeah, Dak's thrown some interceptions, too. I mean, throwing the ball that many times. You're gonna Two interceptions and a fumble last week against the Seahawks. That really put them in a tough spot. Interception right before half. Sap, uh, sack strip fumble right at the start of the second half. Here we are this game, two plays in a row, strip sack fumble, which, again, you know, we can blame the Cowboys, too, on that one, their coaching staff, by leaving Steele, or, uh, their rookie right tackle, who's never played football. Oh, there's Miles Garrett. Go ahead, one-on-one. -on -one. Just take him down. No problem. Oh, that's right. I mean, he got benched after that. He never came back in the game. S 69 did a better job than he did. So uh, I don't know what my point was there. My point is this. <laughs> That, yes, there's not a lot to complain about with the Cowboys. Yeah. But this is going to be the way they play all year long, too. I don't see anything in the defense to go, oh, it's going to slow down. Mm -hmm. The defense is going to – they'll get it together. It's close. No, it's not close. It's, it's, they're nowhere near close. And the offense is going to be like one of those where it's like you'd like to do this in the first quarter and the second quarter rather than the third and the fourth quarter. But even if you do do it in the first and second quarter, you're going to keep – you're going to need to keep your foot on the pedal throughout the Well, that's the rest what it is. The There's no, that, you're, you're saying it. There's no room for error. That's what you're basically saying. Correct. They're going to shoot out yesterday. It's 14-14. Strip sack fumble, 21-14. Fumble by Zeke Elliott, 28-14. It was just like that. That was the game. That's really all there is to it. So, yes, because their defense is so sucky, sucky-ducky, okay, that the offense is going to have to do this on a weekly basis. And then added to that, they have to do it through the pass game because they're not a good enough run-blocking offensive line or a great offensive line anymore to just go, oh, we'll dominate and just go four, five yards, four, five yards, and have the ball for 36 minutes at the end of the game. That's what they used to be able to do three, four years ago. That's over. They got to throw, and they're going to have to take it however they get it. Now, the Browns' defense is not as concerning as the Cowboys, but it's concerning. I mean, it's shitty. I don't know any other way to say it either. Uh, linebackers? Average. Secondary, other than Denzel Ward, below average. Defensive line is really good. That's all they got Put going for them. a lot of pressure on Dak. Yeah, that's all they got going for them. And then, of course, when you have that type of lead, you know they're going to have to throw the ball. So that, that played in their setting, too. Honestly, I was a little disappointed they didn't get more pressure on Dak, really. Mm -hmm. When you knew you were up 41 to 14 and you yeah. didn't get more, it was a little disappointing to me, honestly. Um, but they're learning a new defense. Their scheme and player, their player and scheme personnel fit doesn't work quite the right way either. And um, you know, the Cowboys offense, I'm not blown away by it. Yeah. It's just great talent. It's great talent. They call an aggressive game, and Dak's an aggressive quarterback. I don't sit there and go, 
like you've heard me with Schottenheimer and Seattle and go, ooh, I, man, they're doing some cool stuff, and I like this and that and this. And they've got the talent right now. They've got a good quarterback. Yes. And it's, it's and they're just, enough. It's in this just offensive enough. environment, that might be enough. And, and it is. Right? It is in a lot of ways. I think that's just a way to button it up, Ahmed. You're okay. Right. Yeah. All right. Um, let's move on. The other games from uh, this week, week four in the 2020 season. It's time to take it up to 100. Presented by Head & Shoulders, we're taking it up to 100. And past 100, second straight game for the rookie wide receiver for the Vikings, Justin Jefferson. My man. Vikings won 31-23. He was your number one wide receiver. Number two. Okay. It's all right. But he was my favorite wide receiver. I could say that. C.D. Lamb, I ranked ahead of That's him. That's right. But I made Justin Jefferson my number two, and he was really my favorite guy of the group. Last two games have been really special for Ooh. him because he's been able to show both things, right? Deep ball speed yes. and precision route running and right. being able to make those first down catches when it's third and four. That's, uh, that's exactly right. I mean, yeah, you see, that's, that's where he, he appealed to me, and I think that's probably where he's appealing to Minnesota is he just – he can do it all to what you're saying. You know, yesterday, again, it's four catches, right, for 103 yards, and – I mean, they're game-changing, field-changing type plays and receptions that he has. And he can do it where, like you just talked about, just like, oh, it's man-to-man, and I just got to beat you across the field with my speed? No problem. Hey, Kirk, just throw it out there across the field. I'll run and get it. I'll get this guy on my back. I got it. Oh, wait, it's man-to-man again? All right, Kirk, you wanna, want me to work with him? All right, I'll work him at the line of scrimmage. He explodes by him. And Kirk probably could have thrown like a deep ball, but threw a back shoulder. Guy was kind of all over. Doesn't matter. Justin Jefferson, great hands, great body control. And then the intricate route running you're talking about, my man with Justin Jefferson, yeah. who is 100, takes it 100 all the time. I mean, he had another route during the game because they run a lot of crossing routes, right? Yeah. He goes cross, puts his foot in the ground, comes back out on like an angle out route, and just does it seamlessly. Has great body language when he runs his route. I mean, he really, to me, looks like he's worked with Odell Beckham Jr. in a lot of ways with the body language and movement he does coming in and out of breaks. But, um, yeah, it's one of my favorite young young players in the league right there. They did run a crossing route late in the game. Key play when they were up by one. Right. Justin Jefferson went over the middle. The Texans doubled Justin Jefferson, leaving Adam Thielen one-on-one with Bradley Roby, and there was a touchdown. There you go. To Adam yeah. Thielen. Uh, they got a good combo going. Problems for the Texans. Oh, issues there. Yeah, bad, really bad defense. It's never going to stop either. There's nothing there to, to like or grasp onto with the Texans uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And Minnesota, you know, a little like we talked about the Cleveland Browns, Kevin Stefanski's old team, you know, it's, it's very predicated on the run. And once they get you going on the run, they can really put you in a bind. And Cousins, again, he's an aggressive thrower. And he's yeah. quick decision maker, and he was he was putting the ball on the money yesterday to Thielen and Jefferson. Texans own four for the first time since 2008. Although I do want to give some credit, they have won the AFC South for the past five seasons. So yeah. I think a lot of times we look at Bill O'Brien, we're like, what were they doing this whole time? There has been a lot of winning in Houston, but they just haven't reached the pinnacle. And unfortunately, looking looking like they might not with this no, no. incarnation of this team. That was take it up to 100, presented by Head and Shoulders, available. At Walmart. And I think that we gave Head and Shoulders their perfect amount of respect there. They're going to be happy with that. Good, good. I mean, I gave 100% effort. I know that. And I use Head and Shoulders. I really do. Yeah, good. I do too. My favorite of all all shampoos. When I do shower, which is normally when I leave the house once a day, 
I know you. You're different. So when you leave, oh, so when you, whenever if I leave you're going, the house, you'll I will shower, shower before. I was just like, oh, you, sh- you leave the house and then you shower? You go, so you go to a, a public shower? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Unlike you, that you shower in the morning and then at night and then immediately when you get up in the morning. I do. I have like tonight. Tonight, Monday night football. I'm probably going to shower at like 12.30 at night uh-huh. and then wake up at 5.30 and shower then again. Just part of your routine. I can't go to bed feeling like sticky or greasy or grimy at all. I just can't do it. I need to go in fresh. I like my sheets not to be sticking to me or anything like that. Yeah. Big, big part of my that. day. It's, yeah. it's like turning a fan on. It's like you can't sleep without it now. I get it. That's, yeah. that's how I am. Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh, it's time for Damn Okay. And uh, we're not going to sing the song because we're running tight on time right now. Damn. But it, okay. Uh, okay. Uh, but it's interesting. We're going from Justin Jefferson to the guy who replaced in Minnesota, Stefan Diggs. Damn Okay for Stefan Diggs. Real Chris Jonke says, Damn Okay nominee. Josh Allen's 49 yard bomb to Stefan Diggs, who high points and out muscles for the ball as the Bills beat the Raiders by seven yesterday. Diggs is amazing. It's the, it was the best offseason acquisition in football. You talk about one move that changed the team. All right, maybe Tom Brady's up there in that mm-hmm. discussion too. All right, I'll, I'll put him there here. I, I forgot. Yeah. I forgot we had some quarterback movement this That's year. true. But I, I think to just like we're not sure how it was going to work, everything like that, he has changed that football team. He changed the quarterback, and he's just a special football player. Uh, really, my vision of Stefan Diggs has gone up. Like uh, Stefan Diggs. I think I made him eighth in my wide receiver rankings or something like that. Yeah. Because I was always like, ah, you know, how explosive is he? You know, did he just benefit from the run game? And then, you know, oh, they finally had to play some one-on-ones. But, like, this is a team that doesn't do that. It's, it is about him and Josh Allen and throwing the ball to him. And teams are showing him, like, the respect of, whoa, you're the number one guy. And he still gets open. Double covered, whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And can do it all. I mean, as you've heard me say, Ahmed, he's just he's an awesome football player. And you talk about the 49-yard pass. I mean, this is not a big guy. He's, I don't know what Stefan Diggs is, six foot, maybe, right around there, to go up and catch 50-50 balls like that. He beats people with speed. I mean, 
Buffalo is my favorite, one of my favorite teams to watch in football right now. You know that. And you've been concerned with their defense, but they did have a stretch there where they stopped the Raiders on four consecutive possessions. It was punt, fumble, turnover on downs on a fourth and one. Yeah. And then a fumble a where big Carl stop. was stripped. Yeah, the fourth um, and so one stop. Yep. Bills get a win. They still look like one of the best teams in football. Agreed. Uh, we're going to give a damn okay to a Carolina Panther. Ooh, a Carolina Panther running it. back. And if we would have said that a couple weeks ago, we would have thought Christian McCaffrey. But no, they're 2-0 and without Christian McCaffrey. Mike Davis and the Panthers beat the Cardinals by 10. Uh, your boy Varney says, damn okay, nominee has to be Mike Davis yesterday. Showed strength and agility. He, he does. Did. 16 carries, 84 yards. Right. And get this. Yeah. Faced an eight-man front. Eight-man in the box. Yeah. Eight-man in the box. Yeah. 50% of snaps. Oof. Tied for the most of any running back this week. And still had a big day. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he's he's uh he is he's like a little bowling ball, but he's he's got unbelievable like quick footness to to what to what our uh, commenter said there. He really does. You know, he's a guy that's kind of like over always underappreciated. I remember when he came out of South Carolina. I was uh, I was working for the Patriots at the time when he was kind of coming out at that time, I believe. Yeah. And he, um, you know, was always one of those guys who went, man, this is a pretty good little football player. I don't know if he's great or whatever else, but. You know, here he is, and he's found the right spot, can make people miss, can drive the pile forward for a few yards. I mean, he's not bad in the pass game if they got to use him. But like Carolina and what they do right now, I mean, they're it's one of the, the great coaching jobs of the year. It's a good I mean, story, Matt Rule. Yeah, yeah everything. And really, just the whole organization, too. Beyond the coaching, you know, the, the, the vision of what they did in the front office and building the team and, you know, like I said, ripping the Band-Aid off and just going, no, we're not going to, like – you know, hang on to old players and and like tell the public well, we're not rebuilding, but we're six and ten, and we did half of nothing in this year. They it's, used every draft pick on a defensive player. Yes, and a lot of them have stepped up. Year Gross Maddox had a strip sack in this game. Big strip sack. So what did they do? Brandon Maddox, ninety-three. How did the young Panthers' defense contain Kyler? Well, I, I mean, I don't know. I won't be able to tell you until I watch the film. Really, I yeah. did see. I think what I saw more than anything was a little bit of like the the Detroit pass rush that we saw last week, where I felt like they did a good job, but for the most part, of not over-pursuing all the time. That's the biggest mistake that people make against Kyler Murray. They want to get to his ass so bad that they over-pursue yeah. and they leave these huge lanes. That looked like it to me. The other thing is it looked like they just took away easy passes. And that's where I'm interested to really go back and watch the film. I'll have more answers for you on yeah. Wednesday. All right. um, but the, the other thing that has to go to, to, to be talked about, I mean, just what they did building their team, all these young guys like you talked about, and even the free agents they got were kind of younger guys to where you can go, hey, we can build something here. We can all come up together. And I've just been impressed with Teddy Bridgewater, the offense in general, Joe Brady. I wondered how he would do in the NFL as a full-time play caller there. Um, yeah, they're, they're one of the like pleasant surprises of football right now. And, and I thought, man, with Arizona, I was going, yeah, they lost last week, but there were yeah. still a lot of things I liked about the game. I know. And that was a big letdown. So it is one game I certainly am going to go back and do a little deeper dive in. They've had the most wild ride so far. I yeah. think beating the 49ers week one and then losing to the Lions in Carolina, their fan base has no idea what to think yep. uh, right now. Uh, another damn okay. I'm going to give to uh, Marlon Humphrey for the Ravens as they beat Washington 31-17. Nine tackles in the game, had a pass defense, forced fumble, and he also signed a five-year $99 million extension. Good. That in, a, in itself – it's a damn okay. It. Yeah. 
Uh, and so he is a, a key cog on the defensive side, which is cool. See one of those guys, and so we don't have to talk about, you know, Lamar Jackson carrying this team. You can talk about some of the other players because they, they got a talented roster. They do. And, it, and really, on the defensive side, they're, they're the Baltimore Ravens defense because of Marlon Humphrey. Him and Marcus Peters, and I would say more specifically Marlon Humphrey. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to choose my words carefully here as I talk, mm. but he's the best player on their defense. You he, don't want to create a situation where – Well, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't, like, saying, like, he's the best player on their defense, and then i like, oh, wait, they have Ray Lewis on their team. No, he's not – you know yeah. what I mean? I just was going through my head real quick. Matt but, Judon's my favorite guy. <laughs> well, they got a lot of guys that you like, certainly. But Humphrey – I would, I would argue last year was the second-best corner in football, only behind Stephon Gilmore. Mm. They put a ton of pressure on him. Does he get beat every now and then? Yeah, he's going to get beat. But they play defenses sometimes where it's like, hey, you cover the guy that runs 4-2, and he's the freakiest guy in the field, and we're not going to help you at all. We're not even going to put a safety in the middle of the field. It's literally going to be you and God's green grass everywhere. Can you cover? And he does. And then he tackles like you just talked about, forced fumbles. I mean, he's just a real football player, and he deserves to be paid. I think. I mean, I know Jalen Ramsey got more money than him, but I think if you made me take who right now, I love Jalen Ramsey. So I'm, I'm going to say this. I can't believe this. I would take Marlon Humphrey over Jalen Ramsey right now. I would. Humphrey is in your face, bump and run, man to man. The way they even ask him to do things tells me they think he's the man. It's third and six. It's a big moment. You got Kelsey. It's third and seven. It's a big moment. You got Odell. He's always on the best player or the guy they think the ball's going to go to in the biggest moment, and that tells you that they think he's the best player. You do that enough, and you say, we got to pay him. We don't want to lose him. Right. We don't want to have to face right. him on another team. Uh, final two games, we're going to do it a little differently. Okay. It's time to give me the headlines presented by Hyundai. Our first game, Rams against the Giants. Closer than I thought it was Oof. going to be. Giants uh, held it together. 17-9, took an interception right there in the last minute. For the Rams to seal the deal, Darius Williams, who was called for that controversial pass interference uh, the previous week versus the Bills. What's your headline for the Rams' victory here? A win is a win. There's no style points. I know it's Hollywood, and we got to you know have the silver screen, and it's all got to be beautiful and pretty. But every now and then, it's hard. It's not you know the Giants matched up well with them. You know, first off, it's a defensive coordinator in Patrick Graham who. I think, and I'm excited to go back and watch this film too, probably took some Bill Belichick Super Bowl stuff out of it and took that away to took away some of the McVay, uh, you know, tricks and everything like that. Oh, yeah. But the other thing is too, the New York Giants, all right, and I'm going to pull up their roster here. And, the, you know, this is where they really were a little bit, I wish I would have seen this better because I saw it last week and I don't know why I didn't apply it to this game. They have tremendous, tremendous size on their defensive line. And... Because of that, even though the Rams O-line better this year than it was last year, they're a tough group. I mean, 49ers couldn't move that uh, Giants D-line last week. And I just want to go through like some of the weights and things just so you can hear it. Here yeah. we go. Here's guys. Like, their defensive end is Leonard Williams. He's 6'5", 302 pounds. That's the defensive end. You know, most really good defensive ends in football are like 265 right. and can run around the corner. So they got that. Then their next D-tackle, Dexter Lawrence, 6'4", 342. All right? Um, Dalvin Tomlinson, who's in the game a lot at the time, the same time there. He's 6'3", 318. Then they got B.J. Hill. So they'll put all four of these guys in. He's 6'3", 311. So you have all four of those guys straight across the line. There you might better, not be a bigger defensive line I don't think there is. I mean, you, it would make you question a little bit, but, like, you're going to go, you guys could have wasted some draft picks on another position. Yeah. 
it would be one of those, again, where you go, how many D tackles are you going to draft here, New York Giants? But, uh, yeah, you're not going to move them around. And I think that brought up the old question of, like, ooh, when the Rams can't run the ball, can they drop back and throw the ball and beat people that way? Yeah, they can do it, but it's just not pretty. That's for sure. And I think that was it. It was an ugly game. There's no doubt. But a win is a win, and a nobody's going to look win. back and go, oh, well, we shouldn't count that all the way. Cause... You'll take it. Right. You'll take it. And Sean McVay and the uh, Rams improved to 11-4 and four following a loss since 2017. Yeah, that's, so that's, that's pretty good. Too. Right. He's, he's tough. I mean, tough. you don't see the Rams back down from anybody. The final game to talk about. Joe Burrow and the Bengals get a victory. Beat the Jaguars 33-25. to 25. What's your headline? Did I use this one already? I'm, I'm sure you did. You're going to do some Joe wordplay? Yeah. What are you going with? Because I don't want to just do one Joe. It's no, not your ordinary Joes. Ooh. Okay. No, that's a new one. Yeah. Okay. I mean, because Joe Burrow got his first win, but Joe Mixon was the stud of the game. 151 Woo! yards on 25 carries, season highs in both. I mean, what do you like better, not your ordinary Joes or Joe Mama? That's oh, the other Joe, well, let's go Joe Mama. Joe Mama? All right. That's more of our newspaper. That's what you got. That's, the, I mean. Joe Mamas. That, that's you know. what happened. I mean, it, really, Jacksonville, you met Joe Mamas, okay? <laughs> now you know who Joe Mamas are. Yeah. But, um, man, there's a lot. Like, this game was, like, you know, I'm watching out of the corner of my eye, right? This is not the game where I'm like, well, you know, Tariko yep. and, and Rodney and Coach Dungy were like, put that on the center screen. <laughs> Jacksonville, right. Cincinnati. And honestly, they'd probably be happy that you at least had a corner of your eye on the game. They'd I had a corner. It was you. just a slight sliver of a yes. corner. But, yeah, of course, because I want to see Joe Burrow. I do. The one thing that jumped out to me, I mean, of course, Mixon is a freak show. He's one of the five best running backs in football. And then I think the other thing I really liked is just saw more of a down-the-field attack from Joe Burrow and company. I think they gave him a little more time yesterday. There was less, like, you know, hey, Joe, slam it in there for a seven-yard completion type throws. You know, they, they pushed the envelope a little bit. And I love that we saw T. Higgins get involved, too. That's the other young guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that was cool to watch. You want to talk about trade, though? Because this is what I, what I – when I just was, like, kind of watching that game on highlights last night around 1230, I just went, trade – trade's coming up, right, soon. Like, you know, uh, what are the trade deadline? I know we got a few weeks away or whatever. But the Cincinnati Bengals would be absolutely crazy not to trade A.J. Green and just get what you can get for him right now. It'd be absolutely crazy. He looks good from what he, you've seen. He looks good. Is he the same A.J. Green than what we saw, you know, before he got hurt a few years ago? No, he's not. Should I have put him in my top ten receivers? No, I was wrong. He's not a top ten receiver right now. Is he still really good and for a team that needs wide receivers like in New England or something like that? Could he go there and be awesome? Yes, he could. Yeah. And they're good at receiver in Cincy. And – what are they going to do, pay him a lot of money to keep him? This is it. He's franchised right now. So, like, to me, that's one that just jumps out. And I there didn't need to change teams. the story to get away from Joe Burrow and everything like that. But yeah, there just a lot jumped of, out to me. There are a lot of teams that could use a wide receiver. You think a lot of the good teams, right? New England could use one. 49ers could use one. Green Bay. Green Bay could use one. Definitely. I know. Yeah. I mean, Seattle seemed like they were in the market for one for a while. I don't know if they still feel that way. They don't seem like they need it unless they just want to score 100 a game. But Those were the headlines. Presented by Hyundai. Joe Mama. Joe Mama's. Uh, okay, and we finish it off, as always, uh, real quick. Sorry, don't real quick it. Trevor Lawrence You've started the conversation in the Sims household. With the Trevor Lawrence power rankings? I mean, rankings? you had me and Big Phil talking about this last weekend. So I've had two teams that have dropped out. 
unfortunately. Not the Jets or the Giants. We know they'll be there. Not the Jets or the Giants. The two teams that have fallen out, the Vikings have fallen out. They were fifth last week. Yep. Uh, they are no longer looking Kirk promising. Cousins, your job is safe. Exactly. They're not looking promising anymore. They're showing too much on the football field. And I had to get the Panthers out of here, which I really didn't think at the beginning of the year. I was like, this is a year where they're tanking. They're going young. They'll be fine with a top pick. Maybe it will be number one. They're, they're doing too much, especially without Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. So you f- think when he comes back, they have no chance. Yeah. And so I had to throw him out. So number five, new team. I'm putting the Miami Dolphins in there. Mm. Even though they've looked okay, they've kept it close. Yeah. Not close enough to get victories, and that's ultimately what you have to do. You know? You yeah. Want, you almost want to do that. Right. You want to get the number one pick while looking good, and the Dolphins are in an upward trajectory there. Uh, also entering the rankings? Yeah. Football team. Washington. Lost to Baltimore. No shame in that. Right. But we're getting some rumblings of quarterback controversy yeah, right. there. And that's always promising if you're gunning for the number one spot. No doubt. And so that gives them some hope there. I think the jury's still out there for sure. I mean, yesterday it looked like he made a few throws here and there. It's, I'll be interested to see. But yeah, I understand. later in the game. Yeah, it was right. later. Exactly right. I so know. I'm starting to see some positive trends there with football teams. So they're moving up to number four. Uh, a little bit of negative trends for this team that was number two, now number three, your New York Giants. Yeah. So against the Rams, to put up that performance against the Rams. All nine points. A <laughs> little scary. They could have won that game. Yeah, all of nine points, but holding them to 17, and it took an interception late to seal the deal. Yeah. That's a little concerning. A little them. concerning. So Daniel drop, Jones. I had to drop them down one because of the strong performance from the team that was three, now back into the two spot, yeah. the Detroit Lions. I mean, they're, every week they're kind of proving to me that this has actually become an objective for them to finish with as worse a record as, as bad as a record as possible. I, I mean, I do sit here and just go, Matt Stafford era in Detroit's going to be over. It's over. Yes. It's done. It's, it's going to be over this year, and he's going to be a free agent, and he's going to end up going to some team that's kind of good, and we're all going to go, damn, Matt Stafford's a little bit better than we thought he was. Yes. And we go, yeah, well, Detroit sucks. That's why. He will not be wearing the Honolulu blue next year is my prediction. Yeah, and by the way, right. Pete looked this up. According to a 1950 Lions media guide, the blue, a distinctive shade, was especially developed for J.A. Richards. According to Team Lore, their first owner came up with the color after admiring the hue of the Pacific Ocean on a trip to Hawaii, mm. and the shade was named Honolulu. Oh, geez. That's when they should have known it was all wrong right there. Like your team colors. Honolulu's got nothing to do with it Michigan. has nothing to do nothing with it. Nothing to do with it. Could Sorry. not be more opposite. Yep. Uh, number one, solid, solid number one once again, although they did score some points, but I think ultimately everyone's going to be unanimous in thinking the Jets are still the number one team in the Trevor Lawrence power rankings. And now, without Sam Darnold, perhaps, I mean, maybe he'll play, but he could be out for a little while. Um, this is a team that has is str- a stranglehold on the top spot. I mean, you're, you're right. I, I mean, listen, I'm going to be interested to see what they do because they're going to be there. It is. Like, you know. Who will be there, though? That's another question. You talk about Detroit being an overhaul. And I know the Jets, and we talk about this every time we do the Trevor Lawrence power rankings, how it's just, it is a rebuild, and you got to have patience. But it's but a it, long rebuild. But if, yeah, if you feel like you're not going in the right direction, even in a rebuild, then sometimes. I know. It's, it's, listen, I worry about Daniel Jones and Sam Darnold here in New York. Trevor Lawrence was that guy. And he is super talented. You don't even need to be a talent evaluator to see his talent. You go, whoa. You know, and my dad, I know, has seen him throw in person and in person a few times, and he just goes, he can throw it as hard as he wants. He goes, he can throw it too hard. And I went, really? Mm -hmm. He goes, 
Christopher, he can throw it as hard as he wants. He goes, I'm telling you, what you're watching on the field, he's taking it to like 80% to make some of these throws. So, listen, my big big Phil, the big fucker, doesn't throw around compliments like that unless you yeah. can really throw it. I mean, he only says that kind of shit against like Aaron Rodgers, Mahomes. I mean, that's when they've seen those people in person. So, for him to say deal. that. Yeah, he's been down there in Clemson before and seen him down there a few times. So All right, well. I'm interested to see where it goes. I don't know. The Jets, though, you saw the other night. Sam Darnold's not the problem. He's not. No. And, and you know what? And, and Jets fans who respond on Twitter to the top Trevor Lawrence power yeah. rankings, they say that. Good. They go, they feel bad for him. Yeah. A lot of people like Sam Darnold, think he's got talent. Yeah. But no quarterback no. is going to no. win on this team right no, now. No, exactly right. Uh, okay, real quick. <laughs> you said real quick, like seven segments in a row. It's become, I've noticed that might be a crutch for me. I might need to work on that. Uh, two games tonight, Monday night. Patriots, Kansas City, who you got? Uh, real quick, I'll take the Patriots. No, the Chiefs, I'm sorry. Uh, I've taken the Chiefs before uh, Newton was out with COVID. I'll take the Chiefs. Yes. Um, which, and it doesn't sound like Stidham's going to play, right? Is no, it, it sounds like they're going with Hoyer. And, I, you know, I don't, you know, Hoyer, Stidham, Stidham went through a period of where he could barely practice, and he had a real injury. Okay. So I don't know where that went or if he got back in the fold, but, yeah, we'll see. Okay. And Atlanta Green Bay in Green Bay. Well, yeah, you know that. Come on. I, I always take, oh, thy great one at home. Yeah. How and many will they put up? He could throw for 500 well, yards. The real question is, why the fuck is in Atlanta in your top Trevor Lawrence rankings? That's where I want. I was going to go there, but I knew we were going to talk about the game. So I was going to, well, you're showing because, some you know, favoritism I, you towards know what? them. No, because they dropped out last week yeah. because they had too many leads. <laughs> I was like, you're getting <laughs> yeah, too many leads. Said. Too many leads, and right. that's not what you should be doing if you're trying to get the number one. Uh, you're a nitwit. <laughs> uh, so there you go. So that's it. All right. We got through it. We did it. Real quick. And <laughs> Real quick, let's we did it. Let's finish it off. Let's clap it up. Okay, let's do clap it. Clap it up. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll see you Wednesday. We'll be back. Chris Sims on button. Are you going to be on Wednesday? Are you, no. You're Paul, Bobby Big Paul, Time? Pauly B will be back. Pauly B will be back. We'll have him. And I think we might even have the big fucker this. Oh. Yeah, I told him you were going to be here. He said, sure, I'll come exactly. on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. All right, I'll see you later. Peace. Peace out, homies. Peace. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.